This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Previously on Homestale Radio. Hello, Chris is here. Why am I saying Chris is here? What's that? <laughs> What's that mean? What's your name? Andy Gray. The Andy Gray? The Andy Gray? <laughs> the Andy Gray, yeah. What, like the one that played for Palace? Yeah, the one who did play for Palace. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been our Matt Bianco moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're all a bunch of wankers. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not being funny, but that actually, I I think that was him. He seemed uh, he seemed a little reluctant to go any further than telling us who he was. Hello, who's that? Yeah, it's Andy again. Oh, hello, Andy. Sorry, mate. How you doing? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. You go. You go ahead, mate. What you got? What you got to say for us? All of there. Hi. Who's that? Oh, it's Andy Gray. <laughs> Congratulations on the birth of your first child. Let's, well, it, all ties, it all ties in, doesn't it? Day one of being a Palace fan, and then it's already gone to shit for him. <laughs> <laughs> for all our contact information and to send us an email, visit holradio.net forward slash contact. Well, hello, Chris is here. Hello, and welcome to Homestore Radio. Chris is here. Where? Here. Oh, oh, that, there you are. That, that didn't really go very well. Um, no. Anyway, I'm <laughs> I'm your host tonight as we take a look back at the season the season opener against Arsenal where Keith Millen's Palace side put in a strong display. With me tonight, I have Jell Holyoke. Hello. Hello. Uh, Nick Gillard. Hello. And Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Uh, we will begin with the analysis of the last gasp 2-1 defeat as Aaron Ramsey broke Palace's hearts to send the Eagles home without a point for their efforts. We'll also take another look at the managerial situation and talk about the current rumours and who will be the man to step into Tony Pulis' shoes. As ever, we'll be rounding up as much of your contact as we can, so do get in touch. Uh, we've also got a poll. It's uh, The question this week is, who is the best starting option between Gale and Campbell? So if you pop onto Twitter, go to at HOL Radio. It's a retweet for Gale and favourite for Campbell. And that tweet is live now. Uh, first up, we have news in brief. news around Selhurst Park. This is news in brief. 
If you missed our last show or have been living under a rock, you may have not heard that the news that Tony Pulis has left the club by mutual consent. Keith Millen will remain in charge until a new manager is appointed, rumoured to be early to middle next week. The Capital One Cup second round draw on Wednesday evening gave Crystal Palace a glamorous away tie at Walsall in the week commencing 25th of August. Ticket and travel information for the match at the Skanks' Stadium will be announced as soon as it becomes available. The Skanks' Stadium! News in Brave. 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 Um, so Nick, do you want to clarify the stadium name? I haven't actually looked it up yet. I can't remember where Walsall play. I think think it was the Banks Stadium, wasn't it? Uh, Bit awkward, wasn't it, that? It was. It was. Anyway, uh, so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good bit bit of sub-editing from uh, from jail there. Yeah. Um, Okay, listen, first thing we're going to do, obviously we've got loads to talk about with the managerial situation. That is the the kind of um, dominating uh, force that's going to be throughout the background of this show but we did obviously go to Arsenal uh, with Keith Millen in charge and uh, that's obviously this the team setup was exactly as uh, Tony Pulis had been working on so uh, the lineup's probably the best place to start it's kind of a, as we assumed it was lads uh, Julian Speroni fortunately started uh, in in goal for Palace so a lot of rumors that Hennessy would take over uh, from the very start of the season but that didn't happen and I think we we're quite happy to to see that, not you know, not I think it's Wayne Hennessy, but Sprody deserved to keep that place. Uh, new signing Martin Kelly came in at right back, which meant Joel Ward stayed at left back. Um, another new signing and uh, in Rita Hangland, who partnered uh, Scott Dan <laughs> in the middle of the defence. And yeah, so the, the the rest of it was the same with Campbell uh, taking on the role that last season was mainly played by um, Cameron Jerome. So yeah, strong, strong lineup, strongest we could possibly pick, and uh, a very, very hard place to go, particularly in the circumstances that we were in. So, um, well, let's let's have a, a start the chat as you know on that lineup. Really, um, I really want to talk about tactics, and and it's very, very obvious, very early on, Joe, that we 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 did that thing where we surrendered the possession of the ball. I think Arsenal equaled the best ever possession in a in a, in a Premier League game that was. Um, I think Southampton had that record last season, 78% possession, and Arsenal had that during the 90 minutes. But that was to be expected, wasn't it? Well, you'd have thought so, but they only won 2-1. doesn't matter how much they have, do they? Um, but it's to be expected anyway. I, I think that's what they expect, the wonderful passing football, but it was very frustrating for us to, to not be able to keep the ball as much as, uh, as much as we wanted. But I mean, obviously, like we did set up to to not concede, and similar way that we went to the Emirates last year. But obviously, in a similar way to the Emirates last year, we did end up conceding two goals. So, do you think there was any scope that we could have been a little bit more ambitious? <sighs> what go four four two, three five two? I think that would have been the only way. Four four two, we you know play. Um, I just I just thought Campbell looks isolated, but he looked dangerous. That's the thing. I thought with a little bit more support, I think he really could have. You know, yeah. we're playing this, you know, whatever it is, four four one one three or four five one. It's um, I think our best form of defence really is. You know, we've got a good defence, and it still and it showed. Um, but I think we could we could do with attacking just a just a little bit more, just a, you know, right. so that we're not scoring and then sitting back like we did. Yeah, it does. You do invite pressure that way, Nick. You've got a point you want to make? Yeah, I, I I'd pick the same lineup. It's just. The, the difficult position was for Shamak, who had a brilliant game, but mm. I, I felt it was playing more like an attack. 
in an attacking position but defensive midfielder role. Do you know what I mean? Because he yeah. did a lot of tackling and a lot of winning the ball and wasn't creating that much. And that's yeah. why why Campbell was so so alone. Well, well we did. I mean, um, ta- I mean, no, you're, you're right on on that. Tactically, we, you did he did sit a lot deeper than usual, but you could see that we were trying to break from. We'd, we'd have a little three together. It was usually, I think, you had uh, Ledley, Balassi, and Schmack, and Pete, you know, sort of those three, and they'd, they'd sort of come together and do a really quick pass and move in a triangle to try and break. That was and Arsenal were wise to that because how many fouls did they commit when Palace tried to do that? That's what that mm. was a bit of their downfall yesterday. A bit of bit bit of canny fouling on the Arsenal part, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you, absolutely. They uh, they very very quickly noticed how we were going to try and break and and yeah, you say early fouls. Well, it wasn't doesn't get to a critical situation. It's very clever play. But Arteta uh, you know. does what Jedinek does. Arteta does for them what Jedinek does for us. All he done was just he kicked us all over the place for the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's strange seeing him do that because obviously you remember him at Everton. He's very much like an attacking midfielder. Uh, you know, known for scoring lots of goals, but. But now he's, you know, now he's an Arsenal player. He's, yeah, he is there. They're, they're almost their Jednak. Doesn't see when anything like that as much in the air. But and he, he is a, obviously a, a, probably fair to say a much better pass than Melee. So yeah, and I, you know, overall though, it's a lineup you expect, and it, the way we played was kind of what you expected. Do you agree with that, Patrick? We can't. Re- is this how we, you, you've asked the question? I think um, should we be playing this way this year? What's your own view? Well, um, firstly, I have no problem with the lineup. A um, couple of interesting points. I like the, the back four. In fact, um, I don't think we've ever had a bigger back four. We think how big Kelly, Dan, Hangerland, uh, and, um, Ward. and Ward are. It's, it's amazing how big they are. And they played big yesterday, except, you know, doing some crucial parts on those set pieces we'll talk about a little, a little later. But um, the way we set up, again, you, you can allow Arsenal to have the ball, but at some point you have to go and get it. So my concerns are this. One, Punch and, and, and Balassi just didn't have, they weren't involved in the game at all yesterday. And if we're going to allow a team to have 70% of the ball, we have to get our outside players involved so that they can be a threat on a counterattack. If you don't do that, then there's, there's no chance for us to ever compete against Arsenal. Um, Joe makes a great point. They had all the possession. They really didn't have that many shots on goal, to be honest with you. I can't remember that many dangerous uh, chances that Arsenal had besides obviously the two goals. I mean, there was a Wilshire um, attempt earlier, um, you know, in the in the first half that the Sponies saved. But they didn't mean they weren't dangerous until like Drew came on. So that wasn't even a problem. So the lineup was fine. I have a concern also about Ledley. I'm not really sure of his role when Shamak drops that deep to help out. Because mm. if you've got Jedi playing in front of the back four, what exactly is, is Ledley to do? Do the same thing or to push up, you know, and support Campbell, which he didn't do yesterday. So we've got to figure that out, what we're going to do with, with Ledley and also with Punchin and Balassi. Because if we don't, playing with did yesterday, it's going to be a little dangerous against the top four, five, six teams. It won't be as bad against the, the lower half teams, but yeah. we're never going to beat an Arsenal, a Man City, a Man United, anybody like that. Well, not Man United because they stink right now, but um, <laughs> uh, Chelsea. Because that the way we set up yesterday is just is is going to be very difficult for us to uh, to get points off of. What yeah, I mean, we, last year. Yeah, well, exactly. You are you are relying on a bit of luck, I suppose, in a way. But um, I don't know. It's, right. it's a it's right. a tough one, isn't it? Isn't it? It's it's the it's the right way to stay in the game a long long time. But there's, at some point, you've got to hope that you can sort of start to redress that balance a little and start you know, trying to try to impose yourselves a bit more on the game. I don't think we're there yet, and I think the upheaval we've had. You know, just now it's going to make it very, very difficult to to sort of do that. You know, this stage of the season, but we'll see how we go. You think we weren't far off Arsenal at all, possession-wise, we were way off. But but that didn't really matter. They didn't 
hurt us for long periods, and they were very frustrated. You could see it, and a lot again, a lot of the focus in the, me- the, the media seems to have been on on Arsenal playing poorly, not that we were really good at actually stopping them do what they wanted to do. It's just it's just a shame it didn't end in a po- uh, at least a point. Um, Nick, you've got a little message there from chat room, I think. Yeah, just as an overall thing of the game, um, Robert CPFC, if we play like that often this season, we will stay up. DJ Shores, we certainly didn't deserve to lose, that's for sure. Dwee, good try. Five out of, five out of ten, we need to defend set pieces much better. Agree there, I think. And Premier fan, we look solid and experienced. I think we'll do okay this season. So nobody out there in uh, chat room, lad, wholeradio.net slash chat, appears to be that worried about the result and yeah you know. uh, and rightly so i think yeah but um obviously we're, we're here to to analyze what we saw and we'll you know we'll carry on doing that and see if we can pick a few of the more key areas out okay let's talk about how the new players did then uh, we, we've mentioned campbell i want to talk a little bit about him i thought exactly what you guys were talking about about how uh you know how strong he was running and uh, how dangerous he looked the anticipation um in winning that well it looked like he was going to win a penalty ended up getting winning the corner that we scored from that kind of level of uh, concentration and that anticipation, that's a brilliant thing to see in a striker. And I think he's going to be a huge hit at Palace. I really do. I think he's got everything we need in that front row. I just really hope we can pull it together and, and start creating him a few more chances because he's going to put them away as well. So really, really happy there. Uh, Patrick? Absolutely. Um, watching him yesterday, his, his hold-up play is brilliant. He chases the every ball. He's got a great skill. And I can almost guarantee if we create half the chances that we created for Jerome last year, he'll get at least 10, 15 goals because you can just tell um, how good he is. I mean, I was so impressed with how he played and he got zero service. He had that one chance where Blassi, uh, not Blassi, punched a ball in from the right-hand side. He missed uh, like a header. He had, uh, you know, he chased down that one that led to the corner for the, for the hand gland goal. But I was so impressed with the way Campbell played yesterday. As far as the other players go, very quickly, I love Martin Kelly. Um, he's yeah. not great going forward yet, but he's very solid defensively. Uh, yeah. I actually thought Hangland had a decent game. Obviously, we're going to talk later on about the, the goal that we gave up. But I thought mm-hmm. overall he played well. And I think on set plays going forward, he's going to be very, very dangerous. So I really like the players that played yesterday. I really do. Mm. So, Joe, you've got a slightly different view on Hangland. Um. Uh, <laughs> I've got a slightly <laughs> different view on everything, <laughs> apparently. Um, yeah, no, I, I just... Uh, my personal point of view, I don't think he's um, better than, than Delaney. Yeah, the, the, this two, there's two things with him. He, he's obviously very good in the air, and, and he likes to come out with a ball and pass the ball out, and I like that about Hangerland. But yeah. he he hasn't had Pulis in his ear for seven months, like the rest of our defenders. Mm. And I think had he had, he, he really wouldn't have, he wouldn't have let them go because he's, he's ball-watched. That's what he's done. He, he, the only way you can lose your mark, lose the player you're marking, is if you ball watch, and and I can see Delaney wouldn't have done that because he'd have had his arms around his neck. Yeah. It's well, we'll, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll definitely come come back to Hanglin because I've got some some views on what happened there, but we'll do it when we talk about the goals. I think um, Kelly uh, I, I, again. What what you didn't you thought Campbell needed help? You mentioned that earlier, but Kelly, uh, what what did you make of him? I mean, you think from if you think of him. Against Mariapa rather than potentially against Joel Ward for that position was was Kelly? Uh, would you say bet any better than Mariapa? Hmm. So I'm very quiet. Sorry, are you uh, talking to me? I was talking, talking to Joel. Oh well, I, can I answer that? You, are, you answer quiet. it. I think um, Joel. Joel's eating anyway. He sounded like he was eating. Something. <laughs> anyway, go on. 
he's he's very difficult to judge on that game yesterday. We signed him two days before. There was that thing on Twitter uh, that uh, Millen had said about him saying, "Oh, was it me not training hard enough?" You know, if we put this going, wasn't there? Um, the poor guy was obviously hasn't played a competitive game for quite a while and was cramping up quite early on in the second half. So, so to judge him on that, you know, is is a we can say that he did well if if it's been that long since he's played a competitive game. I think you know he he coped with it pretty well. Yeah, he, I mean, it said that he, he's been fit for a year or so, but yeah, he's um. You know, it, it. I didn't. Again, I totally agree with Patrick. He didn't really do anything major going forward, but it, I mean, he looks solid. But you can see it's the height thing as well. He's got back there, which gives us just that little bit more. It just cuts us a few dangers out. And again, it, the unfortunate thing is we've conceded from set pieces because you'd think it would help us. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, but, um, the, with with Joel Ward going forward, whoever's on the same side as Joel Ward is going to have a much easier time of it. I think with you know getting support with their runs down the wing and yeah. overlaps and whatever. I just think fullbacks can be a very important position for us this year because I think it's it's the one area where we can add, a, a, what I think, comfortably add a, a bit more of an attacking dimension. I think overlapping fullbacks is, is very easy to implement in our in our system, in my view, um, particularly when you've got Jed and Nack sitting there and, and Ledley sitting there and they can both drop back to, to into the defence and as let the centre-backs go a little bit wider. And you know, and you're, you're you're covered if the fullbacks have gone up. I think that for me is is, is key this season. Uh, but you just don't know. You don't know who the, there's going to be a new man in charge soon, and you might you might change the system. So you just don't know, really, do you? Um, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Overall, so the new new players did pretty well. Um, but Hangland definitely a, a case of good and bad. So let's talk a bit about the good. Um, great, great uh, attacking set piece. Uh, we were obviously they'd worked on that at the train in the training ground. He said in the changing room, make any sense with it? Um, <laughs> but obviously, he's the, you know, one of the things that Hangland brings is, is height. I think he's six seven or something like that, and uh, he brilliant run from deep. Lost lost um, Alexis. He was trying to block him off, and yeah, got up at the near post, flicked her header into the, into the far corner. You just that's, that's a good goal. And we don't really score as many of those as I'd like to see. And it's Hangland's first goal in three years as well <laughs> in the Premier League, which is stunning, really. But yeah, he's. Um, it adds a threat, so that's I guess that's a positive point. So, um, yeah. So, what, what do you think, Patrick? See, he could be a real goal threat for us this year. Yeah, it shows you the value of you know set pieces. I mean, the ball from Punchin was was absolutely perfect. Um, obviously, with Hanglin being as tall as he is, but it was such a great header. He hit it right into the corner. Luckily, Arsenal, like a lot of teams, don't put a player on the post, which helped, and it snuck in. So. I can see us getting a lot of goals from there, but the key is going to be the good service. Again, that was a great ball by Punch, and it was, I think it's a little underrated. People don't realise what a good uh, corner that was. Because, you know, later on in the match, we had a, a similar corner at the end, and we almost got another goal. Um, it wasn't as, as good of a cross, unfortunately. But, I mean, the point is that I think set pieces where we don't score a lot of goals is going to be much better this year because of we've obviously worked on it and the fact that Hangland is 6'7". And if, if people like Sanchez try to mark him, we'll score goals all day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Koscielny didn't pick him up when he when he got past uh, Alexis. Right, definitely. the zonal market, right? But exactly. yeah, yeah, but exactly. I mean, that it's a good thing to exploit though. And you know, say if it's not Hangdon, we have got some other great options in there as well. You know, Jednak's a pretty tall guy. Obviously, Ward's got height. Uh, Delaney, if he's playing, or 
Dan as well scored for us last season from a set piece. So we've got, a, got it's, a, it's a good area for us. Um, yeah, but, yeah. And you'd like you'd say you'd like to think that because it's a good attacking strength potentially this season, you'd like to think that defensively it, it would um, it would also be a strength. But it didn't look good. Didn't look good um, from the goals that we can see. So they're all they're all from their equaliser. Koscielny looked looked slightly offside, but only like part of his head. I'd call it offside, obviously, but. Um, Probably a little bit unfair if he'd given it. Um, but I think this was the first sign that you really saw of some lack of familiarity in the defence because it was it was Hangland who, you know, he, he needed to take a couple of steps back and just deal with the situation. But he ended up sort of being attracted to, a, a, you know, a, what was going on in front of him and he just wasn't looking behind. No one's really followed Koscielny and he's ended up with a little free flick header into the corner and it's a really poor goal to concede and it's such a bad time to concede it as well. Um, and I, my, my question to you guys, and I'm going to ask you, Nick, uh, first, is would we have conceded that goal with the familiarity of, of Delaney and Dan, for example? Perhaps, perhaps not. It's I, I put it down to the switching off for a second, to be mm. perfectly honest, and it just shows that, and it's a cliche, but when you're playing your Arsenal's, your Man United, oh. You did it, you did that First game... You- First game of the season, and I've pluralised, yeah. which is yeah. cardinal rule number one broken by Nick. Yeah, sorry about that, everybody. Um, you just can't switch off for a minute, can you? No. Especially against these, well, any team in the Premiership. Yeah, I mean, it's a good ball. It's a good ball in, but you just think yeah. um, very, very basic defending. For me, I, I just think they should have been... I just think if there's a bit more familiarity, they a bit more time together, that I, I think we could have avoided that fairly easily. But, um, you know, it's, it's a shame... Right. Um, bit like England in the World Cup. Momentary lapses cost. Yeah, they do. And and you, what you knocks know, England out of the World Cup? Momentary you know from, lapses. We know from last year you get punished for mistakes. And for me, that there was a mis- there was a, you know, it was a big mistake there. Uh, Patrick? Um, as far as the set plays are concerned, remember I brought this up during the pre-season. Remember I, I mentioned that I was very concerned about our poor defending at, at set plays even when they were on this USA tour. And it manifested itself in, in that first game. So I'm not going to necessarily say... Um, I hadn't kind of seen it coming. Like again, I kind of saw it coming before we got Hangerland. And also, got, we have to remember last year against Liverpool, they they scored a, a set a set play goal. I think it was the first goal we gave up all year, right? With, with Hughes in charge, with the one yeah, against. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Joe right, so, yeah. Exactly. So I can't. I, I've seen it coming in the last few game matches. So it's not as though it, we wasn't coming through. But again, you're absolutely right because I think familiarity will breed a better combination. Whether it's going to be Hangerland and Dan, or at this point, I guess Hangerland Delaney with Dan maybe injured. That would really help. So communication is going to be key. Um, it, it might also mean, um, uh, you know, dropping, uh, you know, Ledley or, or Jedi a little deeper to, to cover. I saw yesterday Shamak did a great job covering for corners and, and uh, uh, free kicks. So I think we'll work that out. But you're absolutely right, Chris. The, the set plays and the timing of them is, is very key. We've got to do a better job. To give up a goal in a 45th minute and a 90th minute is just from set plays is, is going to be... Uh, it just yeah. can't happen, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, obviously that that brought us back to one-one, but still a good, you know, still a good situation to be in. Just a, like I said, the timing of the goal was absolutely key. You go in, going at one-nil down, re- regroup. Arsenal Wenger's team talk has got to be a very, very different one. One-one-nil down, and it is a one-one. So I think it just surrendered a little bit of the impetus to them. But I like what we did. I like what Milan had obviously got got hold of the players and refocus them because we came out in the second half and it looked like we were going to try and impose ourselves a bit better in my view you know very early on in that second half we, we looked like we had some good intent but um eventually kind of got worn down a little bit i think um 
I suppose the question really is: is what did you think? We were, we were, I think we were wasteful in possession. Joe, would you agree? Very, very wasteful. Yeah, we had two, a, a, a couple of at least two players off their game yesterday. Um, I thought Yannick. Uh, I'm, don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he was fantastic last year, but that's last year. That's just it's history now. Um, um, I thought he was very wasteful. Too many tricks that that, that literally didn't come off. Um, he can have his little trick, but you can't do four or five tricks because what Arsenal do do very well is they hunt in packs of players, and 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 that was when you know him and Punchin were keep keeping hold of the ball, and then all of a sudden they're surrounded. When when the when the the centre back that they come up against stands there and doesn't move out of the way, they try to go round him, but they've got a player coming in from the left and a player coming in from the right. So, um, you know, know another team that hunts in packs, girls. Go on. Go on. Wolves. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got you. <laughs> why, well why, well why did we even ask him? I don't know. Just, just, could have just ignored that. Anyway, uh, go on, Nick, since you're piping up with, uh, with jokes, um, what, was your, what were your feelings about that second half, really? <sighs> Too many misplaced passes. Yeah. I know um, Shamak, for some, was man of the match, and in some ways he was. But um, I was just jokingly... Wondering earlier whether I should um, have a go at him like I did with Jedi, and then Jedi pulled his socks up and got better. So, um, Shamak, sort your passing out, otherwise we'll drop you. Well, there you go. All right, that's controversial. <laughs> Since we, well, I was, was going to talk about him anyway, so we might as well do it. Um, he makes us tick, in my view. He's, he's that's his job in the, in the team. He's he's put in a central position, and he's allowed to drop deep and pick up the ball. He's allowed to move in and around the. You know the wide players who are going to break the pace, and he he want his role seems to be to play like that first time pass or a clever little flick and to get people moving to get that break going. So he does that well, but the percentage of the time, the percentage of time that he gives the ball away, partly because he's in that role, but also partly because sometimes he is a little bit nonchalant with those flicks. And is it? I mean, Nick, you you've described it as worthy of criticism. How about for you, Patrick? Um. I'm not sure. I, I think his game has definitely changed because of the way that we play. He was, um, you know, I thought last year he was definitely more involved as far as, you know, going forward and stuff like that. I think he's definitely trying to take it on, like, too much yesterday. I think it was, dropping back was great. He was helping out. But to, to play that role of the, the player behind Campbell and the player in front of Ledley and Jedi is a lot of work. So, um, I don't know if he has to do that, if he should be doing that much work. Um, his passing was a little bit off yesterday, but I'm not ready to criticise him because I think he's a very key player. Especially the way he played last year against teams like Everton, where he linked up tremendously with Punch and you know, especially so. Um, yesterday again, I, I could, I, I think he could probably have played a little better, but I'm not, I'm not ready to kill Shamak right now. No, that's that's fair enough. Um, I yeah, I just think that as as the focal point of us building attacks, he, he's got to try and increase a percentage of success because. You know, it's what we're all about. If you can't, you know, if we can't successfully break, it's not just, not only does it mean we're unlikely to get, you know, to get ourselves a goal. It also means we're putting pressure back on the defence, um, and it, it's a key role. It really is, and it makes you wonder if that's what Tony Pulis saw in in getting someone like Gilfie Sigurdsson in, um, and maybe he saw maybe uh, he might be a bit more effective in that role. It's hard hard to say. Uh, obviously, we won't get to find out now. Uh, so going back a little bit, we were we were talking about the second half. You wanted to make a point on Jedinak, Joe? No, I just thought he was completely overrun by quality in the midfield yesterday, I mean, and that's that's all they did. They 
they've just got their midfield is just a whole lot better than ours. And it, and it, like I say, they, they, they work, their, their work ethic is very much like ours, whereas ours might be um, sort of a little bit less subtle. With, with you know, we're, we're not fantastic at playing, um, getting getting the ball and then one touch football. You know, that's mm. how we lose it, and, and they are. But that's what they did. They did a lot of one touch. Once they got the ball, a lot of one touch. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought they they overrun us. But Shamak, I thought Shamak was absolutely amazing yesterday. And had he not run his little pair of jubris off, we we would have <laughs> we would have struggled, I think, more than you know they'd have had a lot more possession than they did. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Uh, and finally, sort of on, on the topic of Shamak, Nick, you, you mentioned earlier on um, that you, you felt. He wasn't the only one guilty of giving the ball away quite so much. There was a few times that a few of them gave it away. Maybe I'm just being overcritical because there was a few Arsenal players that did as well. Um, yeah, Patrick just asked, is Jedi missing KG? That's a... Uh, no. Um, no <laughs> there you go. I don't, I don't think so. Joe's quite, um, quite clear clear on that. Um, I, I don't know, really. I mean, the, the two of them did work well together because they had that familiarity we were talking about with regards to the defence earlier on. And you had that same thing in the midfield. But, you know, KG, he, he, you know, he was a bit Marmite. He was a bit like sometimes people didn't quite appreciate the role that he did and all that kind of stuff. And I think that was a true comment, you know, a true way of looking at it, that he did do a really important role. But, you know, Joe Ledley's been around for a little bit now and, you know, he, he's gaining familiarity with Jednak every day. And I think the two of them should be out of work perfectly well and, and Ledley's a better player than KG and I don't think that's a controversial thing to say I just think he's he's several levels above KG so really we should be stronger in there if the two of them have, have been working together properly and I, and I thought the two looked good I, I haven't seen really seen a problem there at all personally um, Joe go, going back you want to talk a little bit about Jason Puncham I just I just um, maybe it's because our minds are on sort of different things and there's so much Palace related everything going on mm. but I've not seen loads of people coating punching off for getting sent off yesterday. I mean, for me, it was a major thing, an absolutely major thing, because he was in the game, you know, he had the speed of the game. We we really needed all our players on, and I mean, that tackle, I just, to do that in the first game of the season was just, you're always going to get, you're always going to get the silly free kicks, the silly yellows for, for being away from home. But yeah. but there, when you got like whatever it was, fifty nine thousand, you know, fifty seven thousand of them screaming every time anyone, you know, we breathed on them and they dived on the floor. Um, but I, I just thought he was he was reckless. I thought he was reckless, and he was reckless with his passing. He was reckless with his possession. Um, I just I. You know, I thought I couldn't really choose in all on it. I thought he swayed it just from Balassi, and the only reason he did that is because he he um, he got sent off. Yeah, and yeah, I guess so. And but I mean, the sending off itself—you're right—it was a bit stupid, and and other, you know, it's a, it's a horrible thing to happen. Not only to get sent off, but then to, you know to clearly put enough pressure on your team that you end up losing a game. So he's obviously going to be gutted. But I personally think is there's only so much you can blame someone when. They're under pressure for that long in a football match. It's it was relentless, and you know the guy the guy's talents lie in going forward and running with the ball, and you know trying to trying to score some goals. And ultimately, if he's constantly on the back foot, he's going to make a mistake. When people are forced into doing stuff repeatedly over and over again against really talented players, they're going to they're going to find errors. And 
you know, he was un it was unlucky that it was him, but it could have been one of a number of people, I think, and it could have made that rash challenge that either cost us in terms of losing a player or giving away a free kick in a bad area. Joe, you're heavy breathing. Is everything all right, mate? Yeah, I'm fine. Just right, sitting here trying to screw my eyes up and look at the chat room and a few other things. So. All right, fair dues. Just a bit worried that you were getting aroused. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> um, I, are you? Never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, this, we're, we're... Yeah, not... Maybe another ten minutes or so on uh, reviewing this Arsenal match, and then we'll uh, be moving on to talking about the manager- managerial situation. Obviously, if you do want to get in touch with us today, you can tweet us at HOL Radio. Uh, you can go to holradio.net forward slash contact to send us a, an email type message thing. Did that well, um, and we will. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be taking calls later on. Oh two oh eight. <laughs> One two three something. Oh, oh two oh eight one two three four zero nine eight. I will remember that me- uh, number at some stage in my life. Nick, you got some right. stuff in the chat room. Nick, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> Nick, take it off a mute. Nick, mute me? No. Um, John Moss wasn't. Uh, we got some stuff about the ref uh, in the chat room. I know we we're going to talk about that in a minute. John Moss wasn't he the um, drummer for Coach Club? <sighs> uh, well, anyway, this ref liked the R so much. Um, the ref played to home crowd as they always do with big clubs, said Sosmic in the chat room, holradio.net slash chat. Um, and yeah, the ref let some uh, Arsenal tackles go, which could have been yellows. Um, and DJ Shaw says on uh, Punction said enough to be fair, it was a yellow. But 90 minutes, the ref shouldn't have sent him off. It was a difficult one. And Dweeb says uh, Moss needs to speed up a bit. Um, and who can didn't think he caught up with the game really? I'm not going to write down what he, I'm not going to say what he wrote down because we'll be libelled. Fair enough. Um, I, yeah. I'll do it. No, no, <laughs> don't you no. dare. You're in enough trouble. To this, are you? <laughs> um, yeah, listen. Uh, I, yeah, I'm on the on the subject. I just noticed on the subject of punching. We had a tweet in from Mike Tim that we felt punching was left on too long. Um, I don't know if the the fact that we had injuries. Obviously, Dan went off injured. Um, but yeah, we didn't really make any substitutions until Gale uh, 85 minutes, O'Keefe 91 minutes looking at that. So, yeah, so there was an opportunity if he was tired to, to get him off. Um, but again, it's not really one that you'd ever think is, is, a, is a danger of getting himself sent off. Um, Patrick? Yeah, real quick on substitutions. I thought, um, you know, Millen waited too long to make substitutions. If you know, it's what Arsenal did. Me they too. brought on Chamberlain, who to me helped turn the game. Giroud was extremely dangerous when he came on. And earlier they brought on um, uh, Monreal for Gibbs. And I thought that, you know, despite the fact I think we're definitely in, in shape, we definitely needed to make subs earlier in that game. And bringing on O'Keefe at 90 after, obviously, the red card, was, I think, was way too late. It needed to bring somebody on earlier because you could tell that Balassi was tired. I thought Punchin got tired. Shamak got tired early. I think even Lady got a little bit tired. So I think that we got very leggy. And I think Sheffield should have made some subs earlier in that match. It would have really helped us, I think. Yeah. Uh, Nick, you wanted to sort of... I think um, Millen was waiting to see what Arsenal did. He was waiting to see the cards they put down because if uh, Arsenal had such a strong bench that um, I don't think we could have... That would have taken the game to Arsenal. I don't think at any stage could we really have done that. But really quick, um, Nick, they made a sub on 53, 62 and 69. Our first was at 75 when Dan got hurt. So he waited a long time. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? He kind of went, he could have made it a, a sub after Oxlade Chamberlain came on around 70. And only made the sub because he had to because Dan got hurt. So, I mean, I'm not criticizing Millen because obviously he's never really had to worry about that, you know, as a sister manager. But I just thought he kind of, it might have maybe got caught like in a deer in headlights type thing. What should I do? What should I do? That kind of thing. I might have hurt us. I think I what think he did by, by bringing those subs on, I, I, I was about to make the same point, mate. Uh, um, what he did, he, he, he bought on the, those, the, the, not sporadically, but like you say, they were sort of seven or eight minutes apart. And what he did, he, got, he gained a bit of impetus through the, through the first one, gained more impetus and momentum with the second one. And then, and then again, and then, and, and then what it did, and all of a sudden, instead of them just being sort of out passing us, doing this, and they were all over us. All over us, exactly. All right. Um, personally, I, I think it's very hard to start making. When you make a change in a game, it's, it, particularly when you're, looking, you're playing a team that's effectively better than you are, um, you've got to be so, so careful to get those changes right. And if you, if you look at the players we brought on, you know, Gail would have had a, good shout to potentially start in front of Campbell which we've obviously been talking about on Twitter during the course of the show but I mean Stuart O'Keefe was obviously brought on to, to, to try and you know bring the, make the game a little bit tighter and it didn't work it's really what options do you have that will actually protect the way that you're playing as much as you know fresh legs is fresh legs but it's not always the right thing it's about understanding the role and that's the team that's been worked on throughout the course of the week they all understand their role and they all understand team that they're up against so it, you can disrupt things with a substitution and it's always easy in hindsight to go back and say oh we should have done this we should have done that when something goes wrong like Jason Punch and being sent off and us conceding a last minute goal to lose a game you know and so hindsight tells you a substitution may have helped but it may also may not have done we may not have got a different result by earlier substitution so that, that's my only thoughts on on the subject, but it is a good one. Uh, man of the match, guys. Did you pick? I thought Joel Ward was outstanding at left back. I thought Alex, uh, Alexis was kept really quiet by him, um, and and Ward managed to get forward continuously. You, you know, with a lot of confidence and skill and pace up that wing, it was a real threat. And I, I just thought he was excellent. Um, yeah, honourable honourable mentions for Shamak, and uh, I thought Ledley had a decent game as well. And and obviously Fraser Campbell was was. You know, top draw um, with very little support. But Joe Ward for me, who do you think, Nick? The support and Joe Ward. The support sounded great on the telly. Mm. Oh, I did. As usual. You know, we, we take it for granted, don't we? But, you know, even yesterday, some Arsenal friends who went were saying that our support was fantastic. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, it doesn't keep us up, though, but it's nice to know. Yeah, it does exactly. help. It does help. <laughs> well, you say it doesn't keep us up, but, you know, that. Think well, yeah, it's good reason we did, we did stay up last year. Uh, Patrick, how about yourself? Who did you think? Originally, I was thinking leaning towards Shamak because I thought he really worked his socks off playing basically two positions for one. But now that I think about it, you're right about Joel Ward. Alexis Sanchez is a world class player, and yeah. Joel Ward kept in his pocket the entire game to the point where Alexis was getting very, very frustrated. You could just tell by his reactions to the referee. You know? So I think it was definitely Joel Ward. He really played a great game at left back, by the way, which is not even a natural position. So, yeah, yeah. definitely Joel Ward. It does seem that he, he probably will, certainly for the foreseeable future, he will be a, a left back. I don't necessarily think that does him any harm. And so it certainly quick, shows so up quick, his personality. Cool. Quick question then. Should we, should, do we go and get a new left back or do we keep Joel there? That's a good question at this point. You know? Well, I'd, I'd say that the signing of Kelly... Um, would certainly point to I mean because basically it means you've got to drop Kelly or play him at left back so <laughs> I, right. I really don't know uh, I would say it suggests that Ward's um, immediate future is definitely left back in this team Joe you're man of the match uh, well I'll take Patrick's Patrick's point uh, I was about to say I thought he played the work of, of two players yesterday Shemek so, so him for me I mean he yeah. just 
he ran himself into the ground. And I, and I like that. Like I said, it, as a Palace fan, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter what the result is, but what you want is is the right attitude. And and uh, and as he's as he's grown into the shirt, he's grown into the position, and he's he's grown into a player that we, you know, that, that I really have started to admire his work rate and his ethics are fantastic. And if he does that all season for me, brilliant. Um, I want, I've got a couple of little moans for the end of this review. Um, <laughs> the, I'll start with the, we'll start with the first was the Arsenal winner. Um, in the build-up to it, Hangland jumped into Jednak, and in the actual, and then the following corner, he did the same. Uh, you can't have, I mean, Jednak. We we know what he's like. He's he wants to. He's the captain. He wants to lead by example. I I feel, and it might be controversial to say, I feel he was the one jumping in the wrong area there. I, but again, he might be told to do that. That might be his usual role, and that's Hanglin that doesn't know it. But to me, it looked like the it looked like a centre-back position to be clearing. Uh, views on that, please, gentlemen. I'm not sure who to start with. Mm. Me. You, go on. I was going to say that. He, he, yeah. I, I thought it was at both, <coughs> both their goals. I know it's, a, it's a, you know, you want to be critical, but, you know, he, 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 he lost his marker. And and then he jumped into Jednak. I mean, it was just completely. He shouldn't have been going for that ball. But then Jednak's right. a captain. He should be screaming at him to get out of the way. So, <clears throat> see, I, I, you know, I, I'm speculating it. I, I thought that that was the centre back's position to be jumping, and you, you feel different. You feel that, but it ultimately, it is about community. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Occasion, isn't it? And but, a, but the ball was going straight at Jednak and he was he was in with a challenge with the, with the player and then Hangelin came in, didn't get up and crashed into the both yeah. of them. No, that's fair play. I mean, potentially, well, maybe the suggestion is that Hangland playing at Fulham, maybe that was uh, something that he had to continuously do because of how useless they were. So um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I think it's always interesting to have a central midfielder who's going to come in and try and dominate in the air like that. But, you know, I, I'm a little bit old fashioned in my view of the sense that I think that the centre backs who should be getting their head on the ball in the defensive positions like that more often than not when it's. You know when when they're in that area. I don't know. I don't know really what the right answer is, other than they did show some some degree of a tactical failure. Definitely. Um, views on that, gentlemen, Nick. Um, they'll, they'll gel. It'll give time, and it, it kind of leads me on to another question uh, about the time we've, we've played Arsenal first game of the season, when you know not all teams are are fully recovered or or got together, or, or the new faces are fitted in. I just wonder how well we'd have done against an Arsenal team that had itself gelled. And whether, because it's so early in the season, that the result flattered us a bit, and that actually we could be in for a rough ride if we don't step it up. No, I think that's that's fair. I, I'm I'm not too worried. I just think over time, it's just one of those things over time that we'll, we'll be okay. Um, and we'll, these little errors, 
well, major errors will, will, will be gone. But um, sorry, just, Chris. Go just uh, going back to Jedinak, Jervinator in the chat room, whole radio don't hear slash, uh, slash chat, um, says uh, Jedinak uh, was at fault. Uh, he was jumping towards goal, whereas Hangalan could have cleared downfield. He had the correct momentum. Yeah, that's essentially what I, what I thought as well. Um, but I can see it both ways. I can, and it's it's you know we're talking last cast defending as well. We're, we're, we're down a man. Uh, we're trying desperately to to close out the game. So I can understand that. Uh, Patrick, well, I'm watching it right now because um, I'm I'm a little strange. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. The ball was going in towards Hangland, and um, you know. He didn't call off Jalaik until after he headed the ball out. He went and put his hand up like, you know, sorry. But I think that's definitely Hangland's ball. But this is the thing. Before that play, we made a substitution. We brought Stuart O'Keefe in. So, Joe, do not kill me. It was a second-phase ball. We cleared the first ball. The second ball comes in, and um, Koscielny outjumps O'Keefe, who just got on the field. So, yeah. for me, you could put a lot of blame on not on O'Keefe on making that sub. We all know as players, or you know, you don't sub on a, on a, on a corner kick. And that might have been the reason why they scored, as opposed to blaming Hangeland. Just oh, saying. Expert analysis from Patrick O'Connor. Second <laughs> phase ball. What the bloody hell is that? <laughs> when he's returned after the first cross goes in. Right, the first cross came in. We cleared the <laughs> yeah, first cross. Yeah, I know. Cross. It's just it second phase up. ball. Second phase ball. I'm a coach. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like it. Um, well, there you go. There you go. Well, 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 we'll let you guys make up your own minds, but I think that I think that's pretty clear. Well done, Patrick. Um, hmm. What to do Sorry, next? I'm just noticing that's the right. few, <laughs> few things coming. Soccer next. <laughs> football, football. All right. Is that we finished? Okay, good. Oh dear, fuck a school teacher some days with this show. Um, just a couple of things coming in. I've noticed on Twitter that are interesting. Um, uh, at CPFC Ginger up saying that he doesn't feel that Belassi looks anywhere near fit. Um, and he, he finds he warms up in sort of mid-season. Uh, yeah, he's a bit like that. I agree with that. That's a good comment. Um, Wilf is a little bit like that as well. You have to get him a, get him a run of games, and they build up momentum as the season goes. And I think that's a good show actually, because Belassi was a little subdued yesterday. We had some, he had a great few great touches, a couple of wayward crosses, you know. But he he wasn't on fire like he was at the end of last season. So I mean, that's a, that's a good observation. He um, wasn't forty grand a week worth, was he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, but we don't know that that's um, that's true, do we? So that whole situation. He dispelled that on Twitter. He did good, good lad. Glad to hear it. He, you know, he's he's a he's a good lad. It's, there's no real. I don't think. Hopefully, no one's going to give him stick. In fact, he's yet to agree a contract or anything like that. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the other messages said, "Has Joe become Darth Vader?" I'm not sure about that one. Uh, Did you say Vader. Darth Vader? Yeah. Um, David <laughs> Cheeseman said that he's gutted that we lost, but in the circumstance, it was, stands as it was a pleasing performance. And the Parish's interview on Match of the Day was very interesting. We'll be coming to that very, 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 very shortly. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it there. I had a few other things to actually cover, but um, yeah, that, that's that'll do for the review. When we uh, come back from a little break, we'll be talking about the managerial situation. Are you having trouble getting a seat at Palace this year? It's being part of the best club in South London somehow not giving you the joy you used to get by watching ageing cloggers falling over the ball and kicking each other? Then why not get a season ticket at Charlton? We're an incredibly well-run club. We've got it all, a sparsely populated stadium, a team of players you've either never heard of or assumed retired 15 years ago, hot bovril, an exotic owner and manager, and specially adapted seats that will comfortably fit even the largest anorak, as well as having a specially designed holder for your thermos flask. 
Every Tuesday we hold a supporters day at the club, where tens of dedicated fans join players and staff in training drills, including conga line tactics, custard pie throwing, and diving from a really high diving board into a tiny paddling pool. We're a short walk from Charlton Station, where you could spend hours before the game and after the game carefully noting down engine numbers from your favourite modern locomotives. So come join our incredibly well-run club. Sure, we've changed owners repeatedly of late, fired talented and popular managers and decimated our squad, but it's only a matter of time before we're back where we belong, League One. Did I mention we're an incredibly well-run club? An advert for Charlton season tickets there. <clears throat> right, so we're joined on the line by a uh, by Patrick Stevens. Patrick's going to kick us off about uh, the managerial situation. Hi, Patrick. Hi, how you doing? Well, good. Well, good. So it's been a um, pretty uh, intense couple of days. Uh, so, yeah, what's your view? Start us off. Well, uh, yeah, it's been an intense couple of days. I suppose most of us are still getting over the shock of Tony Poulis walking out on us and uh, and the debates that there were for two days that was all a bit difficult. But now we're all looking forward and trying to think about which manager we need to get. Um, everyone's read the names that are in the frame. And Tim Sherwood, I've just seen, tweeted on Croydon Advertising in the last few minutes, is meant to be one of the favourites um, tonight. So uh, yeah, I, I think my issue with Tim Sherwood is I'm just a bit worried that he hasn't got the intimate knowledge of the Premiership. Um, he was running the uh, under-21 side down at Spurs, yeah. and he hasn't played in the Premiership for a good 10 years or so. And, and I'm also a bit worried that he's a bit of a hothead who fancies himself quite a lot and <laughs> is ready to tell people what he thinks very, very quickly and very, very publicly. And we saw the rifts that that caused the Spurs in a very short space of time. Yeah, and given given the clash of strong personalities that's happened between Steve Parrish and, and Tony Pulis, maybe we don't want a, a volatile manager to come in. But you're right, he is, is one talked about as one of the favourites. I've got my own my own views on, on him, really. But um, actually, we'll do a quick round round chat about Tim Sherwood before uh, I'll come back to you with another question, Patrick. So bear with me. Uh, Joe, you're, we talked about him the other day, so your your views on Sherwood, just to, to recap. Yeah, no, I have the total opposite. I'm, you know, he's been a... A captain for his own club. He's he's played in the Premier League, and I know I know things move on, but you know he's he's got massive experience, and he was he was in the uh, he, he was in the the, the backroom st- uh, side, at, you know, with uh, the Spurs, and he just come through to they, they wouldn't let someone just manage the the club at the end of the season just willy nilly. They just wouldn't have done that, Spurs. Mm. Um, I I just. I mean, I mean, all that thing about he got slaughtered for getting that fella out of the, out of it, you know, out of the stand and sticking him in his seat. But what he <laughs> is, he publicly mugged that geezer for fifteen minutes because he did. He said, "Sit in the seat." All the bloke did was looks at the floor. He looked stupid, and he made fifty million people laugh at him. <laughs> um, so, but I, I, I like him. And the other thing as well is, is listen, we're, we're a club. We we do we don't do the normal thing. We like to do things our own way. No one said anything. A couple didn't have any experience. I'm trying to think what Coppel, Steve Coppel won in his career. I think he only won the FA Cup and, and maybe a League Cup. I can't think, you know. So it's Sherwood has got more, you know, he's got more experience and he was, he's better qualified. He's got his badges. Um, I, I, I like to think that we, we would give someone like him a chance. Um, it's hard. Yeah, it, Strong argument there, Joe. Really, you know, really strong argument, and you almost had me convinced as well. But I, I, I got, I just got nervous with his, uh, with his interviews. I felt when he was put 
put on the spot to start talking tactically and start talking about you know the usual things managers have to talk about. He just looked a little unsure of himself. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe he just came across the wrong way. He so needed back, a bit more experience, yeah. I think, in yeah, front yeah. of the cameras. That's all. He's not been. Sh- he's just got chucked in front of the cameras. Yeah. You know what it was like. Tony Pulis didn't like standing in front of the cameras. Yeah. But being in the Premier League, he had to. He yeah. just has to keep doing it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Going, but going oh, back would, to uh, go on, Patrick. Yep. I would. I would say one thing about his interviews, and this is the thing that really worries me about him is he did that uh, situation where he got himself in a lot of trouble. He called over the uh, senior players. Fair enough, that might be right. Should have been done in private, but not in public. But yeah. he did it publicly. He told them that they were, you know, and he upset a lot of people. And he caused a real stir. And there was a big scene down at Spurs. And then I saw him on a live match the week later. And he was interviewed by people either on Sky or BBC, I can't remember which. And they said, you know, it's been a lot of Ferrari this week. It's been a lot of scenes. Have you learned anything from, from you know, this last week about yeah. talking about people in public? And he said, no, I haven't learned a thing. And they said, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and what about your players? Have they learned anything? And he said, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. And yeah, I thought, was... it, it just didn't come across as a mature bloke, yet alone a mature manager. Yeah, but sometimes that's just him being a bit hot-headed. But you, you have to learn things. You know, yeah, we, that's what I'm saying, but he yeah. said he didn't. Yeah, yeah, but, I, yeah but you, you would rather him be completely up front. I don't know. I don't know, Joe. I think I think it's, it's a, that is a good counter argument in the sense that you do expect your manager not to not to air. You can. I know there's certain things that you can do. I mean, he may have been might have been trying something a little different, uh, but it, it's sort of well known, well spoken about within the game that you do not a manager does not hang his players out to try in public because he will lose the dressing room and. That's that's a worry, and you're right. He's wearing his emotion on his sleeve, maybe. Uh, Patrick O'Connor, you want to jump in, and then we'll have one last question with Patrick before we let him go. Yeah, hello, Patrick. How are you? Yeah, good to speak, good to speak to you, Patrick. Yeah, you too. I, I really enjoy what you've you've written uh, on the, on the situation with uh, Palace, but I, I'm I'm much with you and Chris. I would I I would support any manager that we would hire, but I think Tim Shaw would have been an absolute disaster. He hasn't he has <laughs> not come across for me at all well um, tactically and or um, personally, and I don't think we need that kind of a manager right now based on what we've just gone through with both Pulis and, and Holloway. I think we need someone in here that um, is tactically more aware and handles the press better and handles the backroom staff better. And I think hand, uh, I think giving a job to Tim Sherwood would be a big mistake. I just don't see it happening. I really hope it doesn't happen. And I, I, I completely agree with you, but I'll tell you one thing. If he comes in, I'm going to be his biggest supporter. And I will too, by the way. <laughs> I'll be like second it. biggest. Okay, Patrick, last thing for you. Um, if it's not Tim Sherwood, who is it? Do you know, uh, that's the one where I'm going to go with whatever Steve Parrish chooses. I have not got a clue. I, I can find arguments for all of them, and I can find counter-arguments for all of them. And nobody stands head and shoulders. Um, if I had to come down and choose, I'd say Malcolm Mackay because he lives about three streets from me, and that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. That's, That's as good a reason as any. It's, it's a really, a really hard choice. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate talking to you. Cheers. Great nice talking. Bye now. Okay, there we go. Uh, we can talk a little bit in a moment about um, about uh, what Steve Parrish had to say in his interview with the BBC. Uh, just, um, everyone knows uh, Alex White, who's obviously on the show quite regularly. Um, we just got a quick word from him on, on, on you know, his thoughts and, on who will be appointed and, well, what, what he thinks about the appointment. I'm certainly going to back any man that is taking over, if I like them or not. Well, strong, strong views from Alex that he will, uh, he will do that. So, if it's Tim Sherwood, um, Alex will definitely, definitely agree. Um, 
<laughs> I, do, I do love that clip. <laughs> I like the fact anyway. he never changes his mind. You know, no, once he's, he's got an opinion, it's, it's it. there forever. He, he just, yeah. Well, you, it shows you he's certain of himself, isn't he? That's the thing. Um, okay, so Steve, just give you a quick summary of what Steve said. It's on the BBC website. If you go on there, you can you can find a video of it. It's about eight and a half minutes long. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and read out the whole thing. So I've summarised what I thought were some of the most interesting points. Um, he mentioned that Tony Pulis' departure was not about transfers, but it was about communication. Um, pointed out, obviously, that the money was there to spend, and they went through the targets and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't wasn't a transfer target situation that went wrong, as has been reported. It was a communication issue. So the hint, well, it's not hint, the suggestion being that the two lines of communication broke down, and their relationship as a chairman and manager broke down. So that's that seems to be a bit of a clear indication about what happened. Um, uh, Steve Parrish said that he felt that he's created a positive environment for you know at, at Crystal Palace, and that Tony Pulis no longer wanted to work within that environment. Um, he dismissed the notion that he was picking players to, to to go after, but described that the structure we did have, which we talked about earlier, and that structure is that the manager gives targets, and you know that that they come up with that target and potentially come up with some other suggestions of similar players um, at the same time. So that's. You know that's how that structure works. So I guess that's where those rumours came from that he was picking players. But it was the whole managerial sporting director structure coming up with different targets for the same position as a player that Tony Pulis suggested he wanted. Uh, and it does seem that Pulis wanted control over that. Uh, and he did, as we talked about last week, we thought maybe Tony Pulis had been tapped up and um, he was asked that question. I know, I believe Tony Pulis' representative has, has categorically denied that in a BBC interview earlier on today. I did notice that on, uh, something on the BBS about that. I haven't read it in full detail. But um, C. Parrish pointed out that obviously you, Tony Pulis isn't retiring, so you would expect that he will want to continue to work. And then maybe there's a possibility that he already knows where that will be. But maybe there isn't. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. They may not be the exact words, and obviously that's not an accusation, blah, 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 blah. So there you go. That is a summary. Um, best as I could do. Uh, views first, please, Nick. <sighs> Manager situation. <sighs> who knows who we should have? It's it's so hard, isn't it? Do you get experience in? Do you get somebody that's going to pander to what Steve Parrish wants? Do you need somebody who can actually step up against Steve Parrish and tell him where he's going wrong? <sighs> yeah, it, it's really hard, isn't it? So what, what do you make of... Uh, of, of of Steve Parrish's comments about about why it happened in the first place. I mean, I mean, does, does do you think that perhaps the idea that, um, that there is this structure in place? Do you think that's potentially going to put off any managers, or does it? You know, would it suit? Does it does it suit an old school manager like someone like Pulis, or does a younger manager, say Sherwood, coming in, is it a better environment maybe for him to work in? Perhaps if if Parrish has put his cards on the table publicly and said, you know, the, the club comes first. And he's, he's kind of made a statement. He's going to be quite pragmatic about it. And, you know, I, I personally, I believe that they should, a team should take a punt on a player once a year, maybe, or, or not too much, but once every couple of years, because that's the way you move forward, isn't it? You know, you, it, some of it is the canny transfer market dealings and, and taking that punt. And I don't think Parrish would ever do that. So, you, you know... Yeah. Okay, I'm, I mean, I'm going to leave Joel to last because I know exactly what he's going to say and I've got to prepare myself for it. Um, so, Patrick, 
on this interview, you, you've described it uh, in our conversations as the truth. The truth has come out, um, and some people are still suggesting. Obviously, there is a de- degree of PR spin and all this sort of stuff, but um, but it does seem pretty clear from that. It's quite an honest assessment. It, it does come across as a very honest assessment as what's actually happened. And it was very interesting to see that it wasn't specifically about transfers. Uh, well, what's your views? Yeah, um, I mean, just people were, were, were killing Parrish on Friday for not, you know, stepping up and t- taking the press conference. And he comes on yesterday and comes off extremely forthright and honest. I mean, maybe Pudis should have got in front of the camera before Parrish because it's obvious that it wasn't the Parrish issue, it was the Pudis issue. Um, the, the thing he's talking about with the transfers is ridiculous. Um, the, the, he, he, had, he, he, had, he had, as Paris said, he had four targets. We got two of them. The other two guys weren't coming here. Apparently it was Corker on 70 grand a week and Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson was not going to come here because he, he played for Swansea and he was going to go back there. And Corker wanted 70 grand. We don't pay anybody 70 grand. Our highest paid player is paying 40 grand. So <laughs> to get mad about two players we weren't going to get doesn't make any sense. No. And it, it was like he had made up his mind back in January was going to leave and he decided uh, two days before the season that I'm going to leave. And again, I heard also he, was, he, was, he decided to leave on Monday. Yeah. He, decided on, he's gonna, he, he decided a week ago, basically, not to, to, mm-hmm. to take a team of great players, great fans it, for second Premier League season. It doesn't make any sense. So it, I'm it, really happy. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so no, I'm just saying it does, it, when, when you say it like that, it does almost come across as a little bit spiteful, doesn't it? Because obviously you, to, to, to walk out, it's not just... It's not okay. Your relationship with Steve Parrish may have broken. Well, clearly did break down, but you're walking out on a team and a, a set of supporters two days before the season starts. And he was painted in a really quite a positive light, and, and you know, and it was all about how you know the chairman's not giving him what he wants and all that sort of stuff. Well, when you don't know if you actually don't know what it is that he wants, you can't judge whether or not it's right, to, right or wrong to give it to. Him. And like you, you would think you would do your best to sort of bend over backwards to someone who's just taken the club to an eleventh place finish finished but I mean again you were talking that the breakdown wasn't just about transfers but clearly it was a point of contention I noticed in the, uh, the interview Steve Parrish you mentioned the list of players there was a subsequent second list of players um, so that's that was of, of four players and none of them were available from their clubs exactly so, I mean that Tony Pulis has been in the game a long long time so if he hands a list of four players that are not they're unobtainable are you telling me he doesn't know that they're unobtainable if he doesn't, then maybe he shouldn't be in charge of transfers. It makes you know, it think, doesn't it? Yeah, if they're unrealistic targets, what is the point in giving your your club structure targets they can't possibly achieve within the setup? He's, he's not just walked through the door at Palace, is he? He knows the club. He knows the, he's been told the situation. Now, the only situ- the point of contention is whether or not he feels that he was misled about what could and couldn't be done. Uh, and maybe we'll never know the real answer to that. But it's certainly not as cut and dried as people were making out. There's a lot of people calling out Steve, and I'm sure that you know there is a, a even more to Tony Pulis's side of this. And he will, you know, he would he would argue that for him to walk out when he did shows just how strongly he felt about the situation. So there you go. I, I don't one really more, know. Sorry, Chris. One more thing. Also, the thing about the bet still bothers me because the gambling thing. Because I just, like I just said, apparently he he knew on Monday he was going to leave. He must have told somebody because all of a sudden the odds went from whatever they were for him to, you know, to very low odds on him leaving. Mm. Who did he tell? And who did that person then tell for the odds makers to, to lower? It doesn't, it just is, it's very, very peculiar, the whole situation of, he, of him leaving. It just, it really paints Pulis in a very, very bad light. And again, I'm really glad that Parrish, who was absolutely killed by, by certain so-called supporters, has been proven to be not the bad guy in this situation. Because he definitely is not the bad guy. 
Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, okay, uh, Nick, you haven't really had a chance to say anything. Um, interesting point in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat. Um, SAE, is that stamped addressed envelope? Police couldn't mm-hmm. take being told no. He's used Sir to getting his own way. An SP wouldn't bow down. Good on Parish. Okay. And Joe, uh, to end the bit about uh, the Steve Parish interview bit, what what are your views? Um, what do you want me to say? Because I know um, you don't want me to turn around <laughs> and say what I think I... <laughs> no, yeah. I want you to, to say I what you think, but with the correct wording. I completely wording. agree. I completely agree with what everyone said. There's <laughs> massively loads more. Um, I, th- I think he's to to ask for players like Meech, who who's going to cost us twenty million and sixty seventy grand a week. Is just again, it's like Patrick just said. He, he's given out a load of a load of completely useless uh, targets that we will never get, and. He stood up to him. I mean, I'm just for the for the vile abuse that he took as the front man. Right, we we sh- there should be. I'm, I'm hoping the club takes some direct action against some of them people, especially after they went after his his family as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm just really pleased that, that that basically we've got a guy who it's completely been well known has not been, has not been wanting to, to to be at our club for a long time, and and Parish had the balls to stand up there and basically. It might, and, I, and I'm not too sure whether I, I should say this, but I'll say allegedly <laughs> kick him out yeah, of our, right because kick him out of our club. I'll say allegedly because there's no way in a million years he could have just sat there. He had a two-year deal for another whatever he was, another million quid, um, you know. And then and again, allegedly he was after another massive bonus, and he just he just we, we've just had the, the the biggest direct bit of of, of contact of Premier League greed, and it's it's, it's a huge lesson again, you know. He's, he got what he wanted off us um, with a huge amount of money. We paid him, and now he's gone. And now we need to avoid this second syndrome, uh, you know, second season syndrome. Yeah. Um, if we can do that, I think we'll be. I think we'll be really good. But I'm just, I'm so pleased that that Parish and and the other three, because he's, you know, no matter what people say, he's he is 25, percent um, but he's just a mouthpiece for them. But people, people need to appreciate that this geezer is standing up. For, uh, against the against the, the greed of this country, you know the football in this country. Yeah, you, I mean, you have got to hope. Obviously, there, there's always another, I say there is always another side, right? So there is. A, I mean, Steve Parrish has described himself as a pain in the arse sometimes, and he's pointed out that he does make mistakes and does do things wrong, and it's still you know a learning process trying to operate within football. Um, so I think I mean you can. You're it's quite. Everyone's within their rights to point a finger and say you made an error, blah blah blah, if they have the right information to back that up, of course. And everyone's got you know perfect cause to you know not suggest that because basically everyone wants it black and white, don't they? They're, it's either Tony Pulis's fault or it's Steve Parrish's fault or it's some someone else's fault, and it's just it's it's not always the case. But I ca- I can't see any reason not to believe that Steve has Chris, anything other than Chris. the best interest of Palace in, at heart. Chris, the, 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 all, all it is, the difference between the championship and the premiership is just bigger figures. You're still dealing with the same, with, with chairman and mm. fans and, and bigger, nicer grounds instead of little crappy grounds, right? It's just on a bigger scale. He's been doing it for four years. It's, mm. it's not something that's new. And he's, been, he's been in the premiership for two years now. You yeah, know, but, it, but there, there are the, the forces at work at the top of the, the top level are, are far, far stronger and far, far, I mean, like... People changing agents in the middle of deals and stuff like that. I mean, that kind of stuff goes on, and it's, it's 
I would just say it's a different environment to work in. I mean, and it's, it, it's, it's yeah. a rougher, tougher, and I understand yeah, yeah. it, and That's I do understand it. And he will make mistakes, or they will make mistakes. But the thing is, listen, we owe them the biggest debt of gratitude, and 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 you know, and and they owe us nothing. Mm. That's the thing; they owe us nothing. I disagree. No, <laughs> they, not they. They don't owe us, but they have a responsibility to us. With football club comes the fans. They don't owe us, do they? They don't owe us. They don't. If we stop going every week, they wouldn't, wouldn't they? No, what they have is a duty of care. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. Well, yeah, so so they've got a duty of care. So what's he doing? He's he's basically outing people out of the club. Players and and whoever have not got the best interests of our club at their heart. If they haven't got them, we don't want them. And the the greatest thing is, this is not about him trying to come in and make money. I mean, that's the greatest thing. He's one of the very rare chairmen that have come into a club and probably could walk away with a handsome amount of cash. But he's not going to do that. He wants to set our club up and put put everything. He's got to start again. He's got to start the whole thing again, the four of them. And, but, and you remember when he came on it on our pro, on our program, and he said we have a three year plan to get into the Premiership. Mm. Happy days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of uh, try and sort of round this off a little bit, and we're talking about start talking about who we want in, and then talk about the poll results before we let you all go. Um, I just think one of the things that people like to to say is, uh, you know, the, the, some of the critics are saying, oh, it's you know, it's Crystal Parish, um, you know, blah blah blah. He's making all these decisions. It's all you know, all all about him, all about ego, blah blah, and all this kind of stuff, right? All I say is, someone has to make the decisions, right? If you're saying that the, the the direction of the club is got, you know, if you argue, if you say, for example, okay, the fans can decide the direction for the club, if that's what if that's what you want, if you if be if in fifteen if, minutes, not just that, they can't. No one can agree, can they? <laughs> right, every decision you make. So you talk about signing a player. Can you imagine if you said to fans, "Well, I know one. I think Ebsley tried it." You go to the fans. Okay, we've got these four people for this top this thing here. Shall we pay them this much money? Shall we do that? What are you telling me the fans to, together would all agree on the course of action? They wouldn't. So that's why you have a figurehead. Right? And Steve Parrish is, has the right to make those decisions. You can't criticise someone for being the figurehead, for being the chairman of a football club and making the decisions that he feels, feels is right. You might disagree, but then how many people disagree with you? It's not. I, I, it's nonsensical. I keep reading it. I keep reading people going on and on and on about how what's you know it's all all about him. Well, yeah, it is, isn't it? Isn't isn't that logic? You know, everyone. It's great that they listen. It's great that they'll listen to us. But I think people kind of, of, of they think too much about. It. They think that their their opinion almost counts too much. You have to accept that there's some person in charge there for, and he's in charge for a reason. Because decisions need to be made, and he makes them. If he gets them wrong, he gets them wrong. But then he has to deal with the consequences. Not not done too bad so far, though, have they? No, they've done spectacularly well. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Nick, I think you're going to say just, something? Just compare this time last year, we had a manager who was going to be rubbish for a few weeks for us. Um, and we thought we were going down and then it picked up. This season, we're a few weeks ahead of that. So we're Europe still on. Because, you know, we, we, we'll have the new manager coming in earlier and he'll have a bit of time in the transfer window. It would be going to Europe, mate, if there's a which, war. Sorry, which is another question. Um, how quickly do we make the decision? Do we make it quickly to get somebody in or do we worry about rushing it too much and then yeah. ruining making the wrong decision? On that, I think, again, just for the last bit of, of Steve's interview, he, he was talking about 
what he wanted and I think the decision is he, he said he doesn't he thought last time when he replaced um, Holloway with Tony Pulis eventually he felt that he had he had time to work but because of the window he just doesn't have that time so it's mm. likely I mean he was saying it's likely to be you're talking early to mid next week which I think we said in news in brief so it's got to be done quick isn't it You've, there's no messing around now it's, a, it's, it's all about the players coming in you know we need you know three maybe four signings and then we need someone to decide on who they're going to be. Can you imagine what would happen if we signed a player without a manager? We did, Martin Kelly. Nah, technically speaking, we had the manager in place at the time. Oh, yeah, sorry then. Yeah, right. So, do you know what I mean? Like, if, he, if we go out, then everyone will go, well, that proves it. It proves Moody and Parrish are making the signings because we've got no manager. So, he can't have Great. that, really. That's a very good point, you're right. Yeah. So, I just think, yeah, that's my, that's my view on that. Um, so, the, re- the replacement, um, Steve Parrish talked about wanting a manager with experience in the Premier League, but he didn't specify whether that was going to be playing or managing experience. Um, it suggested there were contact from sort of big names, uh, from what he was saying was big names overseas, but he doesn't want that option. He wants a long, long-term appointment um, and someone who's prepared to work in the environment that they've got. So uh, who, can it also, who can it be? I mean, Joe, you, you're saying Sherwood. Um, you came up with a suggestion earlier on, Patrick. Steve Clark. Yeah. Um, some, I, there's something about Steve Clark that I really like. Um, I know he didn't do great at the end of, of the West Brom, but he's been under very good managers. Um, obviously, Marino being the top one, he's he's you know he, he's I thought he did a good job at the beginning at West Brom. He's young. Uh, I like him tactically um, as far as what he does, and I just have a funny feeling. And I just happen to be on Twitter now, and I noticed that odds have dropped on him dramatically of recent. I think the best ones for now is about I think he's six to one now odds changer from twenty five to one. Um, which wow. to me, which me shows that something's going on. I, I agree that Mackay and um, Sherwood are probably the favourites, but I'm telling you right now, I've got a funny feeling it might be someone like Steve Clark because of, like I said, and he's young. He's not going to come out, come in here and and look to change things around. He'll work with Moody. He'll work with Parrish. He's not going to cause up trouble with the players. I think it'd be great for the players because I think he relates to players better than an older manager. I think Steve Clark would be a really good choice. I always kind of have in the back of my mind the last couple of days. Yeah, there you go, Nick. What are you about you? I, I like that. Clark. Yeah, <laughs> that, that. What? That was Steve Clark. I, good choice. I mean, <laughs> can I, can I just, Nick, can that I just stop? Deep. Can I just stop you there? I, that is, I knew you were in the chat room typing away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and that sharp intake of breath told me you hadn't heard what was just being said, other than that someone had said Steve Clark. I apologise. I thought it was funny. Um, Jill, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> He's been in the um, chat room as well. Oh, is he? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. going to get decent loan signings, according to Andy, eh? Um, it's, yeah, not a bad shout. I, I mean, I, I, I'm Clark. I do like him. I like him as a manager. I think West, West Brom were insane to get rid of him. He was, I agree. He was, you know, he was doing a really good job there. And again, he's someone who, who's, you know, he's a defender himself and he's, he's good at organising and that's kind of suits our club, I think. But, um, I mean, I saw someone shout Martin Yole on Twitter the other day and I was thinking and I, and I thought I actually really liked you know, when he was at Spurs and I thought he actually the environment he was in wasn't the best and I think he did really well but then I saw him at Fulham and well again probably a poor environment to work in but I just exactly. thought he, he just came across as very sort of arrogant and um, you do a good impression though <laughs> exactly I am secretly hoping for one I can do a really good impression of but that's I don't really know if this possible um, okay so 
Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think about who my shout would be for it. I personally, I, I'm not, I'm not against Keith Millen um, at all. Shit. Of all the different options, of all the different He's options, I just think. Good shout. I think, I just what he did last year, and put that against the performance we just saw against Arsenal, you can attribute some of that to, obviously, to the organisational work done by Tony Pulis. I just think he's got the trust of the players, he knows the club, he's a proper Palace man, and he, he's, you can see it in his eyes, he's, I think he believes it a little bit more that he could actually do this in, in the Premier League with Palace. Um, and I think at the moment, he feels like he would be my choice. I don't expect it to happen because of the reference to Premier League experience that Steve Parrish has made. Um, but I, yeah, I, I would go, I'd go Keith Millen personally. Um, so, but we did do a poll earlier on. Um, the options were Mackay, Millen, Sherwood, Moyes, or others. Um, and M- Malky Mackay has come out with fifty percent of the vote. Tim Sherwood was second with sixteen. Uh, of various others that culminated in sixteen percent. David Moyes uh, only ten percent, and uh, and Keith Millen. The lowest on eight, which I'm quite surprised about. Uh, Moyes, I'm a little bit surprised about as well. I didn't mention him. He was my choice last time in, when we did the emergency show the other week, the other week, other day. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I, I just noticed he came out in, in the press talking about his exit from um, from Man United over the weekend. So, you know, when they start appearing back in the um, back in the press, they're obviously. I think that's when the moment where they're starting to look for work. So maybe he's around. Um, Nick. You wanted to poll. It was. It was. Did you make clear that it was who you think will be the next manager, not rather than who you want? Oh yeah, to be yeah. The next I suppose, manager, because yeah. oh, that's a completely yeah. different, that's different kettle of fish, isn't it? Right. It is. Yeah. That's that is a fair, fair point. We you know, if you, if we did that poll now and the odds have dropped on Steve Clark, he's not even in there. Mm, it's true. Although I, I don't know if he was mentioned within the others, but there was some interesting names in there. I was quite surprised that Joe wasn't mentioned as one of them at all. Dario Grady. I was. He went there. I had two personal messages, so you know I'm, I'm disappointed they never followed it through and made it public. Oh, I can't believe you actually bit. I was fishing there just to see. No, no, <laughs> I, you did. I actually did. I had two personal <laughs> messages, and someone put it on Twitter as well. Mm, I mean, I I'll do it. it. Obviously, I'm very expensive, but yeah. We've been playing three five two, and Patrick's just told me to point out that I mentioned Neil Warnock off air. That's my off air yep. personality. Quiet. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we'll uh, I think we'll leave the show there. Um, the poll earlier on of who should start up top has come in, and it was sixty six percent people went for Fraser Campbell, and just thirty four went for uh, Dwight Gale. But a lot of praise for Gale in the comments as well and a fair few people actually saying you know what Glenn Murray and neither of them put Glenn Murray up there so which is a it's an interesting view and something I'm sure we'll be discussing throughout the course of the season uh, we've got an email in um, well it was early this morning actually from, from Cliff who lives up there in Hull just talking about uh, just you know his experience of obviously following from, from a uh, long way away and he was sort of making the point that essentially just to summarise it's quite a long email I can't really read it all out but he was essentially saying a little bit like what we were talking about earlier on. Oh, I don't know, it's a bad sentence structure. Anyway, uh, he was talking about, um, you know, that essentially the board have earned the right to, to make these decisions and it's it seems childish to criticise because you don't like what they're doing, you know. And, and, I, and that's basically, that is what I was trying to say earlier. It's quite succinct in, you know, you, you've got to have someone in charge and you, what it is childish to criticise people doing the things you don't want to do, uh, and certainly the level, level of criticism that we've seen. I think you're allowed to. You'll say you're allowed to question, but when people start becoming abusive about it, it's just a real shame. Uh, Joe, 
Yeah, just very quickly, um, the, the, the sort of the chat about Wilf coming back all sort of died a death. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm hoping that that, uh, that that really doesn't, you know, doesn't go away. I'm hoping that we can get him in. That will, uh, that will give us, I think, the extra dimension up front, you know, on the wing and up front that I think we need. Because if we're just going to give it to Cam- give Campbell the season on his own up front, I think we'll struggle. We need just, we just yeah. need more goals. We need, no, we need, we need somebody in to actually be pushing at Belassi and um, Punchin's place, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. We talked about it the other day. Uh, I Definitely, yeah. It, it's all about competition for places and pushing people. We've seen that before. plays out time and time again in that way. It really does. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think um, I think Millen was quoted as saying that Zaha isn't coming back because Man United haven't decided what to do with him yet. But we'll see what happens with that situation. Um Obviously, we need a manager in place to start making decisions, and, and then we can move on. Uh, just to go back to the, the Arsenal game, we've got a selection of four word reviews. Um, uh, just just to pick out a few of my uh, favourites for you. Um, so you've got on the, sort of, the more sort of negative side. Uh, Wayne Dizzy's come up with soft goals, lose games. Um, and then, um, yeah, I suppose Colin Thomas is slightly proud, slightly angry, kind of sums up. A good selection of feelings, but also most of it, it was uh, people saying that they're proud. We're proud of you. That was from Graham Carter, Neil Kite. Not fair results. Phil Thomas stronger than last year, and um, Anna's gone with relegation. I think not. So there you go. A lot of positivity coming out of that game, and rightly so. It was a strong performance um, to to end a quite traumatic week. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you to my co-presenters today. Well done, chaps. Thank you. Um, Mm. All right. You were there, Chris. Well done. Yeah, well done, I was here. I was here. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to podcasts, do try and listen live next week, and we'll try and um, up the amount of contact we get uh, from you, and try and yeah, be good if, if you listen live. Uh, our next week's show is me. If I've recovered from this increasingly bad hangover I'm currently suffering with, it'll be me, Alex, Albert, and Nick. Wow, it's an impressive lineup, isn't it? Anyway, so we'll be back next week, Sunday, eight pm. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.